Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five. We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. I didn't want to make it a long one because I felt like at some point my voice was going to crack because that's just what happens. After a weekend when it is just full of nothing but sports, whether it's Formula One or basketball or hockey or football, everything is in full swing right now. We got plenty to talk about today, and I want to start off with the 49ers. We will get to to some warrior talk toward the end of the show. Easy for me to say. Sheesh, five in the morning. But I want to know from you at 888-957-9570 at the text line or the phone number. After last night's loss, where are you at now with the 49ers? They're 2-4 and four on the season. It, the, the Rams and the Cardinals have just taken the NFC West here by the looks of it. I mean, right now, those two teams are looking like they are going to be the two teams that are representing the NFC West in the playoffs, if there are any teams that do, as the Cardinals moved on to 7-0, and while the Rams are now 6-1, and uh, both teams with wins yesterday. But I want to know from you, at 888-957-9570, at the text line or the phone number, where are you at with this team? And better yet, what do you think overall of the game? Let's start off with that before we get into any more big picture talk with the 49ers because we do have all week to get to that. Uh, but last night, clearly the weather was a factor on Sunday night football and it was just continuing to pour with rain. And by the way, if you are on the roads right now and you're heading up to work and or you're heading back from work, wherever you're at, hopefully uh, you're staying safe on the roads there. But that game last night was terrible, I thought, for the 49ers. Uh, I I thought that Garoppolo, the way that he was playing, he just, he he looked kind of like the same old Garoppolo, to be honest with you. 
Like, this is what we expect. We don't have Trey Lance, who didn't suit up. Uh, Trent Williams, we were talking about that last week going into uh, going into Friday. We were talking about Trent Williams and the fact that he hadn't practiced, and we were going to wait to see what the injury report was like on Friday. He didn't participate there. Then he was downgraded to doubtful by the time Saturday comes around, and then he was inactive for the game. Of course, George Kittle being out, um, even though it was on his very own National Tight Ends Day, which is just a shame. But overall, with that game last night, everything that has been wrong with this team, every criticism that's been going on with this team, uh, it, it, it came to light yesterday. Whether it's Kyle Shanahan's play calling, which I do want to get to here, Jimmy Garoppolo and his lack of being able to throw any passes that are outside the numbers. His lack of being able to complete any passes that aren't on crossing routes off of play action. All of those designed plays where Debo Samuel was the only one who was running uh, running open and his seven receptions for 100 yards yesterday. Debo Debo was a stud. Um, But that first drive, like this is where I'm confused. That first drive was fantastic. I, I I didn't expect that. Like that was one where uh, you had Garoppolo start off with the play action, and somehow they were using that play action pass to set up the run. Uh, I thought Elijah Mitchell was fantastic, but that first drive was nothing but first downs. They only got to second and one, second and five, second and seven. The rest they all just completed them at first and ten, and then Elijah Mitchell got in with that fourteen yard touchdown run to start out the game. Eighth play of the drive. They've already had five runs. Here is six. They call the same number. There's Mitchell for the touchdown. 14 yards. Mitchell carries five times for 57 yards. And in they go. And then on the following drive, Josh Norman would force the fumble from Jonathan Taylor right out the rip. And the 49ers would get the ball back. And even though they were on Indianapolis's 28-yard line, they were only able to muster up a field goal. And those, to me, I know that it's a field goal and it's points and you're making it 9 to nothing. But in those situations, whenever you turn the ball over in your opponent's side of the field and you do it within the 30-yard line, you can't settle for just a field goal. Because the the play calling all of a sudden just got conservative. Like, not trying to even get any yards out of it. Because you started off with an Elijah Mitchell run that got you all the way to the 16. And then you throw three straight passes. Uh, one to Debo Samuel, then another one straight to Debo Samuel, even though the previous one was caught for no gain. And then you follow that up on third and ten with that pass to Jamichael Hasty that didn't do anything. And then you got to go out there and bring out your new kicker in order to get some points. I know it was just the second possession for the offense in that game, but those are the situations where you got to capitalize and score a touchdown out of it. Field goals cannot be okay when you turn the ball over in your opponent's side of the field. That drives me insane whenever it's not just the 49ers, it's when any team does that. You got to look at those situations and think, okay, that could bite us in the butt later on. And I think that's a certain drive that you can look to. And then you follow that up with the Colts actually getting the touchdown and uh, Mo Ali Cox just basically walking in for that eleven yard uh, for that eleven yard gain. And this is where things started to get interesting because in that drive, that's where 
You had Wentz, who just chucked it up for Michael Pittman, just shot up a prayer, and then you end up getting called for defensive pass interference on Josh Norman. And that would happen a couple of times in the game that would end up leading to Colts' touchdown drives. And that's the opposite that's 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 what you get with Carson Wentz that you don't get with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I thought Jimmy Garoppolo yesterday was awful. Uh, overall, 16 of 27 for 181 yards. He had the one touchdown, and he threw two interceptions. And then he also had the fumble, too, uh, when he was sacked. So Garoppolo continuing to turn the ball over, but also Kyle Shanahan not willing to call any deep shots. Like, that's what the Colts' offense was trying to do in that game. And, and it's understandable. That's what a lot of these teams do whenever, you know, they feel like maybe the opposing defense might have an edge on them, especially with the, what the 49ers were running and, and they were doing with the run game. I had a feeling the Colts were probably thinking, oh, this could happen here. If we don't get anything going underneath on offense and they're making tackles, you know what? Let's just chuck it up to our big ride receiver, Michael Pittman, and let's just try and draw either a defensive pass interference penalty where they'll place the ball at the spot of the foul, or let's try and get him on a deep, uh, on, on a go route here over a guy like Josh Norman. And that's what they were doing yesterday. I, 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 thought, I, I thought that you saw what Carson Wentz was doing. Garoppolo can't do those things, and that is scramble outside the pocket, run for first downs when you have some broken plays. The way that Carson Wentz was able um, just to stay on his feet, and I understand Garoppolo has the calf injury, and you, you can't expect him to run for 10 or 12 yards every single time that there's a broken down play, but he's got to be able to do something. I mean, yesterday you had, what, five straight three and outs? one of which resulted in a fumble uh, toward the end of the first half. And then you come out of the first half and you just continue to look sluggish. You you fumble the ball again, and then on one play, the Colts get a touchdown, and they're up 20-12. to 12, And then on the following drive, you get three plays with two straight penalties from the offense and Jalen Moore and Ross Dwelly. That didn't help things. But then when it's 20-12 to 12 and they just score a touchdown, you're first and 25 at your own 10 and Kyle Shanahan, all he does is draw up three pass plays that weren't going to work. It, it, it was the play calling. It was the quarterback. It was everything. And I'm looking at that drive and, and just thinking, man, on first and 25, and you don't even decide to run the ball to try and get you a positive gain, even though Elijah Mitchell has been great in the game. Instead, you're just at 2nd and 25 on your own 10. Instead of giving you maybe a little more of a favorable uh, position on the field. And this is the only time that Brandon Ayuk would get a target. Brandon Ayuk, uh, I, I really don't know what's up with him either. He only had that one target for 6 yards. Clearly something's up there. It's just everything. Everything that was happening with the 49ers yesterday... Um, it, it just reared its ugly head, but it all stems from at least those three and outs. In my opinion, it stems from Kyle Shanahan not having faith in his quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo to be able to throw it downfield. And Kyle Shanahan, after the game, here's what he had to say uh, regarding the loss. I'm pretty down on there right now. I mean, losing four games in a row. Um, over the, you know, it's been a month, um, and that's tough. I mean, it was tough. Real, these last two weeks, it was in three in a row, and we just added another to it. So, um, doesn't make it any easier. Um, I told the guys they got to be tough minded. 
Um, they got to stick together. I think we got guys with high character in there. I think we got a good enough good, good enough football players, and we got to handle whatever we're going to get, and we got to come back and play better next week for Chicago. See, that's the that's the thing right there is the team that he the, the team that he's referring to the team that's keeping their heads held high. I think that they have a pretty good roster. You know, I, I mean, I did just talk about Brandon Ayuk, but when you got Debo Samuel on the other side as well as Brandon Ayuk, that's a pretty good one-two punch. Now, certainly not the best in the NFC West, but they're still pretty good wide receivers to have on the outside. And then you got those guys at the linebacking core. You got uh, Fred Warner, and I think Aziz Alshair has actually been fantastic uh, for this season. I, I think Alshair's really come into his own. That's been fun to watch. Uh, but then you get to the defensive line, and you have Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw, Moe Hurst, unfortunately, were out, so you didn't really have much depth at, uh, at at D-tackle. Then you got our Eric Armstead on the other end. Kwan Williams and Emmanuel Mosley. Kwan, your slot corner. Emmanuel Mosley as one of the outside guys opposite Josh Norman. Uh, you know, other than Josh Norman... I mean, if you had Jason Verrett, who was still healthy and and didn't get hurt in that unfortunate injury early on in the season, I'd be thinking of it in a different story. And the reason I'm mentioning all of this is, look, they got a good roster, but the things that keep holding them back, the things that seem to be holding that roster back, is the head coach and the quarterback. In the way that they've handled everything, and I understand, you know, the, the, that Trey Lance is hurt and Jimmy Garoppolo has been hurt. It's really hard to to shuffle those two around, but Garoppolo just doesn't look like he has it anymore. It, maybe he needs a new environment. I don't know, but until he shows the ability to throw outside the numbers, as opposed to just to guys who are wide open on crossing routes off of play-action passes because your running back is posing a threat. Until I see something different out of that, I'm going to continue to think that he's going to be holding this offense back from what they're capable of doing. And then Kyle Shanahan with the play calling because he doesn't know what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's when I'm When I'm thinking about that game last night and I'm pinpointing the blame towards somebody... I mean, sure, you could blame the defense for missing quite a few tackles, and Jaquaski Tard, unfortunately, was out with an injury. We still have uh, yet to see some updates uh, regarding Jaquaski Tart, which would just be another uh, uh, huge blow to the secondary. Um, him and Jimmy Ward, I think, work really well together. But the missed tackles were a problem, but ultimately, Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, and the fact that they were 1-for-11 on third down. One for 11 on third down. From the 925, Ayuk and Samuel are not guys who feel good about it, number one and number two on the depth chart. Interesting. See, I I don't know. I don't know because I haven't really seen them with a quarterback who can throw farther than 10 yards. From the 209, it's long overdue to hold Shanahan accountable for the lack of play on the field. It is. It is at this point. You know, it was early on in the season, and now I'm starting to come around on that. Now I'm starting to come around because sometimes the players have to execute, but at the same time, your head coach has to put you in the best position to win. And Kyle Shanahan definitely didn't do that last night. And that's all he preaches is we want to put guys in places to uh, we want to put guys in place to for the best chance to win. We always want to give us the best chance to win. Well, Kyle Shanahan didn't do that last night. And he said after the game, like, hey, I deserve all the scrutiny, I deserve the criticism because I am the head coach and we've lost four straight. And that's where we're at, especially coming off a bye week. 
especially coming off a bye week. You had two weeks to go and face this Colts team who, honestly, are playing pretty damn good right now. They're playing some good football. And Darius Leonard is an absolute stud. Absolute stud. But it was the play calling yesterday in the middle of the game instead of what happened in the opening drive and the fourth quarter. Again, 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on that. But coming up next, the new segment we're doing on Monday at 520 every single Monday after an NFL Sunday. But is my it is my all-NFL Sunday team. Week 7 edition. That's coming up next. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. As you know, with every Monday morning from now on, ever since week six, so not really as you know, it actually takes you know the listener to get used to a new segment. It, it takes a it takes a little while, so maybe I'm getting a little in over my skis there. I may you know maybe you don't know about it, but what I like to do at five twenty, ever since week six, <laughs> yeah, ever since week six. So it's been a week. Yeah, Stephen, it's been a week. Okay, well you know what. Let me just consider it an unveiling then. So, last week I decided during the bye week I wanted to come up with something to kind of give us some uh, general NFL talk to give us to give some of these players some recognition for what they did yesterday. So I'm kind of, I mean, I, I kind of realized it after I was finished, but uh, thinking of the segment, but I'm kind of copying these NFL writers on a on a Monday morning. So I guess I'm getting a head start on it. But this is my all-Sunday team. These were the top performers. I got one at each position from yesterday, except for the two uh, positions in the trenches. I just took an entire offensive line and an entire defensive line uh, that showed out yesterday. So, without further ado, here is my Week 7 All-Sunday team. <laughs> All right, that was a terrible, evil laugh. I watched James Bond over the weekend. It, uh, it There was something that was needed there, and that was an evil laugh. All right. Now, this is going to get a little boring, and I, I, I apologize, but I try to be diverse here, and I try to get players from different teams and all that, but my quarterback and wide receiver for my all-week seven Sunday team are from the same team, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. My quarterback is Joe Burrow, and my wide receiver for Week 7 is Jamar Chase. What a noise. Good blocking on the screws. Chase. Found the- oh, there it goes! He had him in a blender, and he's off to the races. This will be six. What a play! 82 yards! And that was a totally broken play, too, with Burrow throwing just a a little slant route to Jamar Chase, the rookie out of LSU. And it's crazy to think what that receiving core was like uh, back with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on the same team. Uh, But Joe Burrow yesterday... 416 yards. He completed 23 of his 38 passes. He had three touchdowns on the day, and one of those being to Jamar Chase. But I thought Joe Burrow yesterday uh, had a fantastic game, and he was not only doing it just 
efficiently, but he's just very smart with the football, I feel like. And he's just, he, he's got a lot of talent. Got a lot of talent. And he was showing out against the Ravens yesterday in their win, 41 to 17. So he is my quarterback for my all, uh, my week seven all Sunday team. Jamar Chase is my wide receiver. Eight receptions, 201 yards, and he had that one touchdown, which it puts him into the top spot. It was between him and Cooper Cup because Cooper Cup was fantastic. We actually had a lot of good wide receiver performances yesterday. Uh, A.J. Brown for the Titans had what was his, it felt like was his coming out party ever since you know being uh, injured a lot this season. So A.J. Brown having a big day with eight receptions for 133 yards. Cooper Cup was just unbelievable yet again. He had 10 receptions for the two touchdowns and 156 yards for himself. But Jamar Chase in that touchdown he had where he broke out of like three defenders who were trying to tackle him, looking like the juggernaut, Jamar Chase, that's good enough to make my Week 7 All-Sunday team. My tight end, my tight end on National uh, Tight End Day, he didn't have a touchdown, but he was instrumental in the Falcons' win over the Miami Dolphins, 30-28. to And that's Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had seven receptions for 163 yards. And I could have used the tight end over there from the Bengals. He had a couple of touchdowns. I think he had three receptions for 93 yards. But the catches that Kyle Pitts was making... Go back and watch the highlights of Kyle Pitts in that game against the Dolphins. He was unbelievable. I mean, he's making one-handed catches. He's making catches where somehow he's nowhere near the football and he's outstretching his incredibly long arms using that wingspan. Kyle Pitts is looking every bit that top five pick that... Uh, was expected to be when he went over to the Falcons. So seven receptions, 163 yards. Kyle Pitts is my tight end for my Week 7 All-Sunday team. Then my running back, my running back here, he plays for the Patriots, and his name is Damian Harris. He had a lot of good performances. I mean, if Dearness Johnson, uh, Johnson from the Browns, were performing on Sunday instead of doing it on Thursday night football, he might make the top of his list because he was the third string running back going into that game on Thursday night. But on Sunday, it was Damian Harris who impressed. He had 14 carries for 106 yards, and he had two touchdowns as the Patriots routed the Jets. 54 to 13. Hopefully you took that bet. I think the Patriots were favored by 7, but Damian Harris has been a pleasant surprise this year, uh, I thought. So, um, you know, he, he's only been in the league uh, for a couple of years now and, you know, these running backs with the with the Patriots, you never know uh, with those Patriots running backs with Damian Harris and guys like James White and Rex Burkhead feels like they're always rotating guys, but Damian Harris looks to have solidified a role there, and uh, he's been really good this season, so shout out to Damian Harris. He makes my Week 7 All-Sunday team, and the entire offensive line for the team that's going to do it for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and in their win yesterday, uh, when they absolutely destroyed the Bears 38-3, that Bears defensive line, that Bears front couldn't even sniff Tom Brady. They only gave up one pressure that was even close to his face, and that's it. So the entire Tampa Bay offensive line gets to my Week 7 All-Sunday team. Now on to the defensive side of the ball. I got one cornerback, and you're not going to like it, 
But my one cornerback who's on my Week 7 All-Sunday team is Jalen Ramsey from the L.A. Rams. He had the game-winning interception with five minutes left in their win over the Lions, and the Lions had like a 15-play drive to go downfield, making up for third downs, and then all of a sudden you get into the red zone, you draw a penalty, you go five yards back, or ten yards back, excuse me, and then you end up throwing that pick to Jalen Ramsey, but it happened in such a crucial point that he stood out over all the cornerback performances yesterday. He allowed three receptions for just nine yards in that game, and Goff had a third 37.5 37.5 passer rating when he was targeting Ramsey. So uh, he was he was my guy here for Week 7 uh, all Sunday. But J.C. Jackson for the Patriots was just as close, and we will get to another uh, Patriots player in just a second. But linebacker Devondre Campbell from the Packers, he makes my Week 7 all Sunday team. He had 10 solo tackles on the day, four of which were tackles for losses. Plus, he forced a fumble at the goal line in the Packers' win yesterday. So, Devondre Campbell, standout linebacker, who seems to be pretty underrated at this point. And that's also what we want to do with this exercise. Maybe put guys on notice who don't get uh, enough of the recognition. But Devondre Campbell from the Green Bay Packers in their win over the Washington football team yesterday, he's good enough to make the Week 7 All-Sunday team. My safety, Kyle Duggar. It wasn't a great day for safeties, to be honest, but Kyle Duggar in New England, he ended up getting a pick uh, uh, over uh, when Zach Wilson was out. He ended up getting it on Mike White, but uh, Kyle Duggar is good enough here from the Patriots to get to my Week 7 All-Sunday team simply because of the interception, but he also had nine total tackles in this game as well, so he was getting in on a lot of action. Kyle Duggar is my guy here, but the defensive line. We've had a cornerback, we've had a linebacker, and we've had a safety. But my defensive line that's getting the recognition, it's the Titans' defensive line in the way that they were getting after Patrick Mahomes. They had 30 pressures on him. They were constantly giving him fits. They didn't let him do anything. And when we look back at this game, because, I don't know, the Chiefs... Chiefs might not be a good team. Like, that's where I'm getting to now. I was saying two weeks ago that they're still my pick for the AFC because I just think they're that damn good. But seeing them as of late, they have not lived up to that standard. And that defensive line for Tennessee yesterday, five sacks in total. Harold Landry led all of them in pressures and had one sack. Bud Dupree and Danico Autry both had two sacks of their own. But 30 total pressures in five sacks, according to Pro Football Focus for that Titans defensive line. So they're good enough to make the Week 7 All-Sunday team. All right, let's talk a little more 49ers on the other side, shall we? At 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. What would you think of the game last night? And bigger picture like what do we think with this 49ers team where are you at right now 888-957-9570 we also talk some warriors on the other side steven langford in on the pregame show 95.7 the game call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in with you, as the big voice guy just said. But want to continue to talk some football here because that was the big story to me from last night. The Warriors got that huge win over the Kings. Uh, The fact that they actually played a complete game and they limited the turnovers and played some damn good defense in the second half, that helped them a lot in their win. And as you're playing this anti-gauntlet, I call it really, here in the beginning of the season. Their schedule uh, is very favorable, in my opinion, especially when you got these uh, eight straight road games, that are, or home games, excuse me, uh, that are coming up. But big win over the Kings. The Sharks, they finally lose to the Boston Bruins. That happened yesterday morning. But it was what the 49ers did on Sunday night against the Colts. And if you remember on Friday, I just had a quick prediction toward the end of the show. And of course, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. By the way, if you want to weigh in, but I thought it was going to be a twenty four to twenty game for the Forty ers I thought they were going to win twenty four to twenty. I didn't think the defense was going to allow the Colts to do what they did. And when you have pass interference penalties, really from everybody, you had it from. Kwan Williams, you had it from Josh Norman, you had it from Jaquaski Tart, who ended up getting hurt in the game. All of them, Emmanuel Mosley, they all led to Colts touchdowns. And, you know, it, it, the defense just looked tired toward the end of the game because their offense was just constantly getting three and outs and not being able to stay on the field. And then on the opposite side of that, too, When you have the offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, the way that he was playing, and Kyle Shanahan just not wanting to, Kyle Shanahan just not even wanting to try to throw the ball for a first down. It's like, God forbid, Jimmy Garoppolo tries to throw it and get 10 yards out of a a pass. But um, it was the play calling and also the bad challenge that he had at the start of the third quarter, and then he burned a timeout so that he only had one timeout left in a crucial situation down the stretch. It's like, what are you doing? Especially when he challenged uh, the fumble that was, that was clearly 
down, and Kyle Shanahan, it, it was just a weird challenge at the beginning of the third quarter, and he said after he said after the game that it was a problem with his headset. Apparently, the headset cut out. I'm going to assume that's due to the rain and the weather and, 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 and the storms and all that stuff. But the fact that he even made that decision and you know, burn a timeout that early in the second half, that's not what you want to do to start it out. That's not what you want to do. He said his headset had gone out, but you know, he said he just threw it anyway. <laughs> just said, you know what, the headset went out and I just threw it. It's like, what does that mean? What does that even mean? But you know what? It's not that that I'm going to be paying attention to. Okay, if the headset went out, I'm not going to act like I can speak to that and you know say, oh yeah, without the headset, what you would have made the right decision. Blah 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 blah. I'm not even going to try and get into that. But where the game was lost was them going away from the run game. Definitely that. You know, not bothering when you got a first and 25, when your team has committed two penalties already. You just try and throw a pass instead of actually running the football. Uh, but it was the third downs. The third down calls, the, the, the third and short situations where you're throwing behind the sticks. You can't have him throw outside the numbers. Jimmy Garoppolo, that is. The first, the first opening drive, right away, they were going with the play action. Somehow they were using the play-action game to set up the run. That's what it was looking like to me. And it was keeping that Colts defense on their toes. That Colts defense is good uh, when it comes to stopping the run. That's why I was actually really interested in seeing if Trey Lance would have played and knowing how the Colts defense was able to stop Lamar Jackson. I would have loved to have seen uh, what Trey Lance would have done if he was forced to play in the pocket. Now, I don't know how he would have done if uh, you know he was playing in this rain, but that's just a massive hypothetical that shouldn't even be brought up, but I brought it up anyway because I'm rambling. Uh, but Garoppolo in the third down calls, like that's where it was for me. One for 11 overall on third down calls. One for 11. And all of them, like, how much faith did you really have that Garoppolo would complete a pass with th- in third down, especially when they were in third and long? You know, even getting to the point where they'd have favorable field position in order to go for it on fourth down. They didn't go for it on fourth down too much, but that's just because they weren't in the position to do so. I didn't have any problems there. It was just their lack of being able to do anything on third down when your defense this season has been one of the best teams attacking other teams on third and fourth down. So the offense has got to replicate that. they got to complement that. But the offense wasn't doing that yesterday. They just weren't, and those were my biggest problems. Uh, but let's go here at 888 That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. We got a caller here on line one. What's your name? Where are you calling from? You know how we do it on the pregame show. I screen these calls live on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Phil in Alameda. How's it going? Phil in Alameda. All right, Phil. What do you want to talk about, man? Hey, so a couple things. First, offense. It really seems like this team has big trouble when it gets off script. Yeah. Seems like after the first quarter, that it's blown out. After that, when once they go to regular play calling, they, the team can't get any momentum. Seems like the other teams almost developed a strategy where if they can weather the first quarter storm, man, they can punch the team in the mouth, either score a touchdown or get a turnover. The Forty ers fall off their flow. They scramble the rest of the game and they get nowhere. Game over. 
Now on defense, I really feel like the Green Bay Packers started this toss-it-up P.I. strategy. Yeah, I thought Rodgers really would just throw it up. Man, they got that on tape. The defenses and other teams have seen it, and they've adopted it. The high arcing balls, man-to-man coverage downfield, it's going to be 50 yards no matter what. And it's just a game after game, that's three or four games in a row. We've seen this. And the defenses, they're not making the adjustment. So really it boils down to two things, coaching on offense, off script, over. Defense not making these P.I. adjustments. They're really having problems, and it's costing them games now. I appreciate you calling in, Phil. And, yeah, look on the opposite side of that, too. Look on the Colts side of things where they have a guy in Carson Wentz who can actually throw downfield and be a threat to throw downfield. I haven't even mentioned uh, I haven't even mentioned Drake Kirkpatrick's terrible play at the end of the game uh, with Michael Pittman for that game-winning touchdown. Like, what the hell was that? To make it thirty to eighteen, where Wentz just threw it up and Kirkpatrick tried to just hit him. I <laughs> like I don't know. It, it, it's a lot. What it, Kirkpatrick, in, you know, in an NFL game looked a lot how how I looked in a high school game. That's not what you want <laughs> if you're a pro football player. That's not what you want. But on the uh, on Carson Wentz. The way that he's able to maneuver in the pocket, the way that he's able to escape pressure and then run, maybe even run for a first down, but also extending uh, extending plays, letting their wide receivers maybe run a little freestyle. You know, they don't have to necessarily run the route they're given. Carson Wentz gives them time, and Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't do that. And I think that that's um, holding back the play calling of Kyle Shanahan. But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. When they go off script, it just doesn't seem to work. And their script that they're running just didn't make sense. Again, I'm going back. uh, There's quite a few here. But the start of the game, you know, they were running the ball really effectively. And then when they cause a fumble on that first drive of the game, Josh Norman punches it out from Jonathan Taylor, and that's a fumble, and you're on the Colts' 28-yard line, and you settle for a field goal because you go to the run, and then you pass three straight times when, you got a fir- when you're at a first and 10. And you're on, you're on the Colts' 16, and you call three straight pass plays. Don't even call another run play, even though it looks like Elijah Mitchell is gashing through the defense. It's those types of drives early on in the game. I know it may not seem like much, but when... You got the other team down 6-0, to zero, and instead of, yeah, as opposed to possibly, because Joey Sly ended up missing the extra point in that opening drive, but as opposed to having a possible 12-13 to 13 points and making it to 12-13 to 13 nothing game, you're giving them 9 to nothing, And it just looks a lot less threatening when there's a single digit on the board. Plenty of issues to go around here from this game. All right, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Let's go to the next caller here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Hey, it's uh, this is Jimmy Joe four one five. Jimmy Joe four one five. What's going on, man? Hey, I just want to address like, man, like you can really hear it in the stadium. You know, like right before the half, the Niners had a chance to do you know to make something happen before you know halftime, yeah. and we just fold the tent. And you can hear the boos and the frustrations. And, you know, we just don't have that threat with Jimmy G. When Jimmy G is in those situations, 
it's just I feel like there's no momentum ever. We I never feel confident. And oh, we're going to get this done. We're going to we're going to make something happen. You know, we have you know we have ninety seconds, two minute drill. I just I, there's no there's no confidence. The whole offense is tailored for this guy, and in these moments, we come up empty because he just he doesn't have it. He doesn't have that deep threat. And I thought he looked really good last night for you know for a, on a lot of his throws. He wasn't overthrowing people in the rain. That was kind of surprising, but, you know, once again, you can only do so much with Jimmy G. You really can, and I appreciate the phone call uh, there, Jimmy Joe. And his first-half stats, I mean, let's just take a look at his first-half stats alone. And, you know, it's it's the crossing routes, the Jake McGee effect. Now, if you're a Giants fan or if you're a baseball fan and you know Jake McGee, who was originally the closer for the Giants and then just ended up in a relief role, but you knew the thing with Jake McGee was that he was going to be throwing his fastball, and that's it, because that's the only pitch he had. Maybe he'll throw a slider every now and then. But Jimmy Garoppolo right now, he only has one pitch, if you're making a baseball metaphor. He only has one pitch, and that's play action, and getting guys open on crossing routes like Debo Samuel was a majority of the time yesterday. In the first half, he was 4 of 6 for 56 yards targeting guys who were on crossing routes. On all other routes, he was 1 for 6. Didn't even bother. And forget about even trying to throw to the right side. He has to throw to the left side. I think the Colts defense was starting to realize that. Like, hey, he's strong throwing to the left. Like If they're going to the right, that probably means they're running the football. And that's what they were able to do because they had multiple three and outs in that first half. And like Jimmy Joe mentioned, when Garoppolo kneeled, when it was third and 13 and you just had the Colts score a touchdown and you knew the Colts were going to be getting the ball back on the other side, you already you immediately start out first and 15 because of a, a false start on Mike McGlinchey. Then you run it with Hasty for two yards. Then you run it again with Hasty for no gain at all. Instead of maybe trying to take a shot downfield and possibly put yourself within field goal range, maybe try and get yourself a defensive pass interference of your own where they place the ball at the spot of the foul. But instead, they run it for no gain, then it's 3rd and 13, and they decide to kneel it because you know there's only a second left. But it was just very uninspiring. And the fact that he didn't even call a timeout, Kyle Shanahan, that is, toward the end of that first half. It's like, what is happening right now? He talks so much about how he has all the trust in the world in his guys. I mean, listen to here, listen to, listen to this answer here when he was asked whether there's going to be any personnel changes moving forward due to their slow start here. I mean, you got the guys that you have in your building, and uh, you can just, every time a guy messes up, you can change and give someone else a shot, but, you know, we work pretty hard at that, and so do our guys do throughout the week to try to get the best guys out there. Um, obviously, today, um, it did not improve. Uh, it's going to be real tough to get guys off the field with those PIs, and, um, you know, stuff isn't going to get better if we can't fix it. It, it sounds like he's settling. That's what it sounds like. Just not a very confident Kyle Shanahan right now. And he also mentioned that he says he deserves any scrutiny and any criticism that's coming his way. And I think a lot is going to. A lot of you are saying, you can't, uh, you got to get rid of Shanahan. Some people are already saying that. 
from the 415, get rid of Shanahan. The defense was playing well in the beginning and held their own, but Shanahan's play calling isn't putting up points to capitalize on those turnovers. From the 707, the 49ers have officially reached the status of uninteresting, and the main culprit is Kyle Shanahan. He should continue to design plays, but the... I don't I don't even know what that says. Uh, from the 415, only thing that can salvage the season is the development of Lance. And then from, where is it? From the 707, also a 707 number. Good morning, Steven. I have three issues with the 49ers. One, where's the team's depth? I'm tired of the injury excuse. Kyle and his GM have had how many drafts to build it up? For example, Green Bay beat them with a patched-up offensive line and the Colts receivers defense. Kyle's play calling is number two. And number three... Where is the team discipline? The penalties are out of control. And, and some some of them were pretty bad. You know, there, the one on Kwan Williams, I want to say, the, the P.I. on Kwan Williams, I that really was just to chuck it up and then pray for defensive pass interference. I think they need to maybe try and make some changes to that or at least put the refs on notice with those kind of plays because too many teams are starting to take advantage and and, and maybe it's just because we're watching all these 49er games, but I know if I'm a fan of any team and they're throwing a defensive pass interference penalty on it with a deep shot, it normally doesn't happen when it's a catchable pass. Like the one in front of K1 Williams was thrown so short, thrown so much in front of the receiver, like there was no other option for the receiver but to go back and try and get to the ball. Then the 49ers quarterback is all over him, and there's nothing that he can really do. It's not to take away um, from the fact that the penalties is what hurt this team a lot last night, but one of them, one of them was pretty bad in my opinion. All right, let's go to the next caller here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Bud, man, from Oakland. Bud in Oakland. What's going on, Bud? Uh, yeah, you know, so first and foremost, yes, I am a Raider, man. But listen, right? Shanahan has finessed the Niners organization. He has finessed them into thinking that he can lead them to the promised land, which he has done when he had Robert Sala and they had that defensive front. And like I said... They are missing uh, DeForest Buckner. They are missing Solomon Thomas to go along with, you know, who helped out with Armstead and Bosa, who they still have over there. Um, Shanahan's finessed the Niners organization, and Shanahan has been finessed. He has been finessed, and he's getting finessed. The Patriots finessed him into taking uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then this year in the draft, he came out and said that he was even worried about New England uh, going up to get him Mac Jones, which I don't know why he was worried about New England for. They're not even in the same division, conference or whatever. Uh, but yet, he had a chance to take Mac Jones and still didn't take him. We took Trey Lance. Now, Trey Lance, I understand, you know, he's a work in progress. But at the same time, Mac Jones is over there playing right now. He's not a work in progress. He just hung 54 on a bad team. So, yeah. I. I yeah, Shanahan's being finessed, man. And at this point in time, the Niners organization has to look at this guy like is he the one to make the right calls? Because he's doing certain things and he's coming out and saying things that has to get you wondering. Like I said, you don't come out and say that you're wondering about another team taking the quarterback that you have a chance to take, and you don't take him at all. And then you see what this kid is over here doing. By the way, me and Mac Jones actually has the same birthday, so he's actually going to be a superstar. <laughs> 
Appreciate you. Appreciate you, bud. Yeah, I, I mean, hey, I have the same birthday as Randy Jackson from American Idol. Who could beat that? Maybe we could just talk about that for the for the rest of the six minutes here at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Which celebrity do you share a birthday with? Uh, no, but Kyle Shanahan. I don't think he's going anywhere. Like I'll just say that. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere, especially after this season. Trey Lance is his last hurrah. Trey Lance is going to be that decision that he made, along with John Lynch, to trade those first-round picks in order to get him, along with the third-round pick, too. Can't forget about the third-rounder that's involved in that deal. Third-round picks can be very valuable, depending on who that pick turns into. Um, but... And I mean, that's where it seems like that's where the 49ers do their bread, have their bread and butter when it comes to drafting players is not necessarily in the first two rounds. Well, maybe a little bit in the first two, but mostly in the third, fourth, fifth and sixth. I mean, those guys, all you know, you look at Fred Warner and George Kittle. And, and, and all those players, and you look at the first rounders who really, you know, Javon Kinlaw hasn't been able to stay healthy, and then Brandon Ayuk just, for whatever reason, isn't getting involved more. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan's not going anywhere, and Trey Lance is going to be the guy who either helps him keep his job or it's it's sink or swim right now for Shanahan. And I think Trey Lance is his. Raft. It's his lifeboat right now. Is that a good analogy to make? Probably a terrible one at 5.55 in the morning. But 888 that's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Trade Shanahan to the Raiders from the 408. How about the Raiders 5-2? and two? Let's go. Just win, baby. Yeah, new, new podcast today coming out, Black Hole Sundays. And, again, you can find that under the pregame show tab. It's me and Mr. Joe Spadoni who do the podcast. And let me tell you. This guest that we have on today, this guest is going to be good. I mean, it's going to be a surprise. I'm not going to reveal who it is on air, but I'm very excited to talk to him. And that podcast should be released uh, around 4 or 4.30, depending on how long uh, the recording takes. But got a great guest uh, on Black Hole Sundays today, so that's a little just cheap plug. But Shanahan's not going anywhere. And the thing is, though, and this is just this goes with John Lynch, too. The fact that they believe Jimmy could be the guy and have kept their trust in him this entire time, there are plenty of other options that they could have gone with back in 2017, and they decided to go the Garoppolo route. And, you know, he has been plagued by injuries. He was playing on a hurt calf. I mean, this is what he had to say yesterday when he was asked about his calf. It held up, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> definitely felt it at times. But uh, you know, it sort of is what it is, I think. All the guys out there, we're all playing with something right now, so just kind of it's that point of the season. And did anyone see what Martellus Bennett said over the weekend? One half of the Bennett brothers, the very outspoken Bennett brothers. Anyone see what he had to say about Garoppolo and his time with the Patriots over the weekend? Yikes, you could search that up. I'm not even going to play that on my show because it'd pretty much be all beep, 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 every other word. Uh, but... The thing with Shanahan and Lynch, it's the fact that they've continued to stick with Garoppolo. And even though they traded three picks in order to get Trey Lance, it doesn't look like they have much faith in his development right now. Shanahan just seems very unsure about that whole starting quarterback topic. He doesn't even he doesn't even bring it up anymore. He's just like, look, I don't know. I don't even know who's going to be healthy. He just seems tired. But... 
ultimately the way that they've handled the quarterback position, the way that Trey Lance just hasn't really gotten to the gotten onto the field because they've wanted to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo and give him one more shot. I ultimately think and that's what we were a lot of us were saying before the season it was start Jimmy Garoppolo or start Trey Lance. And at this point in the year when you're 2 and 4 and the offensive line is playing the way that they're playing, Trent Williams not even in the game yesterday. They had to go with Jalen Moore, the swing tackle. I just don't know where they go from here. I don't know where they go. And it seems like to me, I think, and Fred Warner said this after the game, um, Elijah Mitchell said it after the game, they got a good roster. They feel like they got a good roster. But the only thing that's holding them back, well, I guess it's twofold, but to me it's Shanahan right now and Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Those are the two guys to me who are keeping them at this point, which is, they're not a bad team. I'm not going to put them in the same class, the same tier as you know the Jets or the Jags or any of those other teams. I think they got a pretty evenly matched game coming up here against the Bears, which I didn't expect to say. Uh, but overall, I don't think that this team is at that point where they're a playoff contender anymore. This is a team that's really in a weird stage. And do I know the secret to getting them back to where they should get, where they should be? No, but I do know that if you go out there with another quarterback besides Garoppolo, I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan will open up the playbook a little bit more on third down instead of trying to go for some chunk plays off of a screen pass or some you know pass in a flat that ends up going for two yards because the Colts sniffed it out. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know where they go. But last night's game, coming off a of bye week, having lost four straight, that was an ugly one. And them being 0-3 uh, at Levi State. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.